Amen. Thank you, Kelly. That's about the most important question that could be asked here tonight is, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Not just know about him, but do you know him? There's a difference in knowing about the Lord and knowing the Lord. I believe there's a lot of people in this place tonight that you know the Lord. And I believe because you know the Lord, you want to do something for the Lord. I think it's impossible. Now, this is just my old country boy opinion. You don't have to agree with me. That's fine. I can't help it if you're ignorant. But, <laughs> no. Now, I didn't say stupid. I said ignorant. That means you just don't know the facts. But it's my opinion that if you know the Lord and if you love the Lord, you can't help but want to do something for the Lord. You want to be pleasing unto him. Now, that don't mean you got to sell your house and move to Africa and become a missionary. Some of you may. But it means we want to serve God with what he's blessed us with. We want to serve him in word. We want to serve him in deed. And we want to be pleasing unto him. Now, I want to share a message that I've really had stirring in my spirit for about three months. So ushers, lock the doors. Don't let nobody out. It's not going to take all night to do it. It's the story of Joseph. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37. This message is geared specifically to those of you who know the Lord tonight. The rest of you are welcome to listen. And I think you can get something out of this as well. But I believe that God is a God that speaks. He's not the author of confusion. The steps of the righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. His word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. He speaks specific directions to us. He speaks specific assignments to us. The Bible is full of the illustrations of that. Who'd ever heard of rain when a boy named Noah was told to build an ark? I have found that more often than not, what God speaks to us don't make a whole lot of sense. Let me go down here. I found more often than not that what God speaks to us usually doesn't make a lot of sense. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. Anything God has spoken to you or called you to do will be bigger than your ability to do it. Because it, if it were just in your ability to do, what do you need God for? But when God speaks, when God calls, when God gives the assignment or the direction, it's going to be bigger than our ability to just do it so that he can be included in the mission. So that we look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith, so that we look to him as the source of what needs to be done in our marriages, in our businesses, in our homes, in our churches, in our relationships, 
We look to him, listening for him. Now, I'm going to get off into what really needs to be a sermon in itself right here. You say, well, God don't speak to me. Yes, he does. You might not have learned to recognize his voice yet, but he speaks to you. He is a God that speaks. He doesn't want you guessing. He don't want you just going by trial and error. I'm going to get to my message in just a moment. Stay with me. I'm going to reiterate something you've heard me say over the years. Because you need to understand this. We don't have time for uh-ohs or my bad or I'm sorry, my mistakes. We don't have time for that. Nor do we have enough blood for the door to be slammed in our face, enough time to bloody our nose from God stopping us from something. Man, I, I don't understand the people. Oh, man, just take off and get gone. If it ain't God, he'll close the door. Why would you want to do that? When if you'll just wait a minute, he'll speak to you. And how do you know when he speaks? His word says that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word of God be established. Anything God ever speaks to you, there will always be confirmation. And you need to wait until confirmation comes. And when confirmation comes, you'll never be wrong because God don't make mistakes and you can begin to take off and go in the direction that he's told you to go, looking to him, expecting an end result that he'll get some glory from and you'll get to enjoy the ride. So, don't raise your hand right now. We'll come back to this later. Maybe. Is there anybody in this place? Well, I am going to ask you to raise your hand. Anybody in this place that any, at any point in time you've ever felt like God spoke to you or showed you something about anything whatsoever? Could I see your hand? Put them down. If you're a Christian and didn't raise your hand right then. How did you get saved? Without the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, knocking on the door saying, Hey, sinner, you need a Savior. See, it begins. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. Don't question my theology. Question my brother. <laughs> God speaks to us even while we're sinners. Any of y'all ever experienced that besides me? And my brother, he's here tonight. I'm going to tell a story. And he'll tell you if I'm lying or if I'm telling the truth. He was not living for God. And he was my hero. I'm, I'm telling you how it was. I looked up to that man. Still do. But he was working for... King Fence Company, and they were building 
all of the guard railing and fencing on I-10 from where you cross into Louisiana out of Texas all the way to, I know at least Lake Charles, was it Baton Rouge? Baton Rouge. And so he'd come in on the weekends, but he'd have to get up and leave early in the morning to get down there in time for work on Mondays. Half the time he never had even been to bed. You can read into that what you want to. <laughs> but he was driving down the road. And here's old sinner, Danny, got to singing Amazing Grace. We grew up hearing my mama sing and fry bacon every morning. We woke up to the smell of that bacon cooking. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and some good Christian singing. But anyway, Danny living like the devil, but starts singing Amazing Grace. And he heard the voice of the Lord speak to him. And he, pulled, he got to crying so hard, he pulled over on the side of the road, couldn't drive. Gathered himself together a little bit later on. Am I telling the truth, Danny? Got back to driving down the road, and he got down the road just a little ways, and there was a bad, bad wreck. And when he went by, he heard a voice say, the devil had planned that for you. I'm telling you, God speaks to saints and sinners alike. The thing is, you've got to learn to recognize his voice. Most of y'all have not spoken to my wife on the telephone enough that when she calls for you to go, oh, hey, Glenda, what's up? You'd go, who is this? But if she calls you enough times without the caller ID, when she says, hey, Haley, what's happening? You'd say, oh, nothing, Glenda. You'd get to know her voice. That's the way it is with God. You will learn his voice. But don't think for a minute that God doesn't speak to you because he does. Now, with that understanding, I want to go to the 37th chapter of, Joseph, of Genesis. Now, Jacob, in the preceding verses, it, it very clearly tells us that he loved Joseph more than the rest of his kids because he was the son of his old age. His brothers didn't like him. They were jealous. You know, he, he even made him a coat of many colors. And you almost get the picture that he is a little spoiled brat, don't you? But anyway, we're going to pick up in, in verse 5. It says, Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. And he said unto him, them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. They bowed down. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. May I speak to you tonight that 
You will find most often when God shows you something, speaks something to you, it's not going to be readily received by most other people. Joseph is 17 years old at the time of this story that we're reading there. And I want you to know there are several ways that God speaks. He speaks to us through dreams, as we just read. He speaks to us in an audible voice. Very few people have ever heard that, but it does happen. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through, through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through a prophetic word. There are many ways that God can speak, and don't you limit God. I want you to understand he is very capable of getting your attention and very capable of speaking to you. But there's something you need to understand. It says, to him that hath an ear to hear. You got to want to hear. To him that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. So we find Joseph at 17 years of age, telling of his dream. Now I want to go through a progression of the way things normally happen. There are a few exceptions, but I want to lay out for you a normal plan of travel when God speaks something to you. What's the very next thing that happens? In verse 23, we find him in distress because it says, And it came to pass when Joseph was come up unto, unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. I want you to understand that we go from the dream to distress. Scripture says in the New Testament, he puts it this way, says the thief comes immediately to try to steal what the Lord has birthed in you, what the Lord has spoken to you, what the Lord has shown you. The devil's going to come immediately to try to steal that from you. Why does he come immediately? This is not rocket scientist stuff. I want you to understand he comes immediately because right then you're most vulnerable to question or to doubt or to sell out or to compromise or to wonder. And if he can create enough havoc and enough stress and enough pressure and enough problems, maybe you'll relent to the flesh and you'll say, I'm tired of this and you'll Forget the word God spoke to you and you'll look at the circumstances going on around you and the problem, you'll look at the pit. And I want you to remember that God said in his word to us that we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. We walk by what God's word has spoken to us. Once before I asked the question, are you a thermostat or a thermometer Christian? Valid question. And I want you to ask yourself, and I want you to answer it to yourself tonight. Well, what's the difference? I'll tell you. The thermometer, Christian, is Christianity levels to the temperature of the room. The thermostat, Christian, is consistent with no matter how hot things get, no matter how cold things get, they are consistent in their relationship and in their trust in the Lord. Now, are you a thermostat or a thermometer? Is your spirit level of spirituality governed in waves? Are you tossed to and fro? Are you up? Are you down? 
Are you half-hearted? Are you lukewarm? Are you double-minded? God don't like that stuff. He wants you to be all in. He wants you to be committed. He wants you to be sold out to him so he can be sold out to you. So we go from the dream to the distress. Remember this while you're in the pit, while you're in the distress, that where you are does not define where you're going. Remember this, that circumstances should not and will not determine your outcome unless you let them. It's that simple. Then we move on. Thirdly, we'll turn the page and get over here to 39, 1 through 6. So we have the dream. We have the distress. Verse 39, chapter 39, verse 1. And so he's sold out of the pit to some Ishmaelites that they go down to Egypt. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer in Pharaoh's captain of the guard, an Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Don't miss this. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him. And he made him overseer over all of his house. And all that he had put his hands to. So he's in Potiphar's house. This is a time of development. We have the dream. We have distress. Now we're going into a time of development. He's in Potiphar's house. He's got a good attitude. He's doing everything he can, the best he can, even in his slavery. He's doing things under the Lord. And Potiphar sees it. Now there's a series of circumstances that take place and he finds himself in jail a little bit later on in the dungeon. And there he interprets some dreams. Maybe you're in a time of development right now. Maybe you're wondering why what you heard God speak to you some time ago has not come to pass yet. Possibly because you're not ready. You're not equipped. You're not prepared. But he's trying to develop you into that place of where when the time comes. And might I remind you that for everything there's a time And there's a season. The timing of God is as equally important as the will of God. You don't need to miss that. Let me back up. The timing of God is as equally important as the will of God. You've got to stand still when he says stand still. You've got to move when he says move. The whole time knowing the word that he spoke to you. When it all started. I'm just going to tell you something right now. Had no intention of doing this. And Duke's probably cringing. There's a piece of property to the east of us over here. I think total there's about 53 acres in there. And at some point. We're going to need some of that. And I believe with all of my heart that God has spoken to me that one day we're going to own some of that. 
even if it sells to someone else before God tells us it's time to take the step, they'll be ready to sell it to us when the time is right. And I'm saying that to make this appeal to you. Be sensitive to the, not only what God has spoken to you, but to the timing of it. Wait till the doors open. Gifts make a place for itself. Talking to a young preacher right out of seminary here not long ago, and I was telling him and sharing with him, don't try to force things. Let God open the doors. The gift maketh place for itself. If God's truly called you, if God is truly, his hand is truly upon you to be a preacher, so to speak, the doors will open. But you've got to have one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. That's something that we Christians nowadays, we don't want to practice that self-control stuff. Go read Second Peter. Thought I was going to preach that tonight. But there's eight things listed there in the first chapter of, of Peter about adding uh, things to make you more like the Lord, virtue and knowledge and patience and godliness and brother kind of all of those things. If you'll go study that in your own time, you'll notice that there are six things listed there that deal with yourself. Two things listed that deal with others. We've got to learn to have self-control. We've got to learn to bridle our tongue. We've got to learn to bring captive our thoughts. We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to be careful to what we allow into this most complex computer ever built. Because what gets in here winds up here. And what winds up here comes out of you. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to take heed lest you become entangled with the cares of life. You've got to have that self-control. You've got to bring captive every thought and see if it be of the Lord. If it's not of the Lord, if it doesn't align with his word, discard it. Get rid of it. So he's been in Potiphar's house serving, learning, promoting. He had to learn to be under authority before he could be in authority. Then I'm going to close in verse four and chapter 43, verse 28. Joseph's brothers stand before him. Been a tremendous drought in the land. Joseph had warned his superiors. They had prepared. They had put up corn and grain, and they were prepared for the tough times and winds up that here come his brothers from another land seeking help. They need help. Assistance. They need food to be able to survive. And they stand before Joseph and don't even recognize it. It's 13 years have transpired. He's now 30 years old. 
God showed him the dream when he was 17. His brothers hated him. They threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Now here they stand before him and don't even recognize him. And their lives virtually are in his hands. And if you'll read there, it says, Thy servant our father is in good health and is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and they made obeisance to him. Exactly what we read to start this off. I want you to know this. When God speaks to your life, his word is yea and amen. If you can weather the storm, so to speak, endure the pit, come out and go through your time of, of uh, preparation and development, you will see the demonstration in God's perfect time and come to pass in your life. You'll see great things happen. Would you bow your head? Maybe you're in this place tonight. This is what I feel the Lord has laid in my heart to reason to share this simple message. Some of you in here, you know you've heard the Lord speak something to you. And, and some of you even a long time ago. And you've wondered why it hasn't come to pass yet. And you've become disgruntled and discouraged. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to talk to you. Yes. Anyone else? Just slip it up. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Get it up. This is your moment. You're saying, Dennis, I, I've questioned. I've questioned and wondered and became frustrated. Anyone else? I want to encourage those of you that raised your hand and there are others that didn't, that should have. Don't grow weary in doing what's right. Trust God. Submit to Him, to His authority. Wait on Him. That thing that He has spoken into your life, if it was Him, if it was Him that spoke to you, will come to pass. And maybe you're in this place tonight and You've been running the race of life. You're tired. You've been running it alone and you've been living a life of sin. And you know that there's got to be more to life than just existing. Tonight you recognize that you need to know this Jesus, not just know about him. You need to ask him to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you and come into your life that's you could I see your hand anyone anywhere yes ma'am thank you anyone else very quickly slip it up slip it down thank you sir anyone else very quickly in the balcony anyone back down on the ground floor thank you sir anyone else this is your moment this is your time I'm going to ask one more time and I'm going to move on if the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart you're saying I need to tend to business tonight anyone else you say that's me all right, look up here at me. I just want to encourage you to embrace the simplicity of God's Word. Jesus has done the hard part. He's done it all. We just need to receive the gift of life. We need to receive His forgiveness. We need to receive His love. 
We need to receive his spirit. We need to receive his encouragement and strength and help. But only you can do that. Only you can do that. Here's what God's word says about our sins being forgiven and us becoming a child of God. It says if we believe that Jesus is the son of God that came to this earth and died a death and shed innocent blood for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. I love that. Easter Sunday morning, he walks out of a grave, victorious with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He said, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, then our sins are cleansed. We become a child of God. So with that information, would you bow your head and, and let's pray. And My prayers can't save you. There's no magic in my prayer. You must ask with your mouth and believe in your heart. So I invite you all right now to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I do believe that you died for me, that you're God's son, that you rose from the dead, and that you're coming back to get us one day. And so I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and to be my Savior and my Lord. Help me to learn your voice so that another I will not follow. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit. Help me to learn your word as you form convictions in me of what to do and what not to do. Help me, God to live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Lord, I pray for those several that raised their hand that had grown frustrated. I pray tonight that they will recognize the fact that it's your timing. You're never late, you're never early. You're right on time. And I pray, Lord, that they will embrace that tonight. They, they already know it. I'm just trying to remind them that if they'll let you direct their steps, they can see what you've spoken into them come to pass. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Nathaniel's got a couple of very important announcements. Please don't leave. Listen to these. We need you to hear them. Thank you, Pastor.